Welcome to the Everyday Sublime Podcast, shedding light on yin yoga and meditation. I'm your host, Josh Summers. I'm a yin yoga and meditation teacher and trainer, and I'm also a licensed acupuncturist. This podcast is intended to be an in-depth exploration of the intersections between yin yoga, Chinese medicine, and meditation. In each episode, I'll offer a 10 to 15 minute reflection on one or several of these themes. And my hope is that these reflections will support both your practice and or your teaching of yin yoga and meditation. In this episode, I want to give you a clear understanding of the third of the four principles of yin yoga, namely staying still for time. In discussing this principle, I'll be exploring key concepts such as how long should you stay in a pose? I'll also be looking at why do we stay for longer periods of time in yin yoga postures? And how might we think about making progress in yin yoga. And I'll also be speaking about some important points for teachers on how to cue around staying longer in a pose. So let's get started. Okay, the third of four principles of practicing yin yoga is to stay relatively still for longer periods of time longer than you would say in an active style of yoga practice such as Ashtanga or Vinyasa yoga. The question of how long one should stay in a pose often surfaces. And by now, you may be anticipating my answer. How long you stay in a pose depends on a few factors, namely the tolerance level and strength of the tissue being stressed, and also the broader intention behind that stress. Coming from the understanding that we're attempting to positively stress dense connective tissue in yin yoga, both around and within the muscle and around the joints, one needs to subject these tissues to longer sustained stresses in order to activate certain kinds of positive changes in the tissue. As I discussed in the lesson, Theory of Exercise, all tissues need stress in order to maintain their optimal health and functionality. Dense connective tissues are no different. And this yin stimulation of gentle but prolonged stress is an optimal formula for strengthening and remodeling these particular tissues. Initially, when we take up the practice of yin yoga, it is possible that the strength of these tissues might not be very strong. And because of that weakness, a student might find that after a minute or two in a posture, that their experience is one of intense and inappropriate sensation. In these cases, it is of utmost importance that they come out of the pose when the sensations simmer above the appropriate edge. The intention in yin yoga is to steep the targeted area with mild stress for several minutes. However, if the tissue is unable to tolerate stress for several minutes, the student needs to be educated around how and when to come out of the posture, rather than staying until the end of the time. In other words, the appropriate amount of time in a posture will vary and depend on the student's capacity, specifically the student's tissue strength capacity. And as I have said previously, if you're teaching yin yoga, the students in your class need to be positively reinforced for taking good responsibility for themselves by coming out of a posture as and when the sensations simmer into the inappropriate range of the spectrum. So I'd like to talk about what does it mean to make progress in yin yoga? Now with consistent regular practice, the tissue's tolerance level will increase. 
the physiological response of the body is to reinforce areas that are stressed. This is what we think of as exercise. And when our dense connective tissues are reinforced, they become more capable of tolerating stresses for longer periods of time. And this is what I see as being progress in the practice of yin yoga. And I say that with a touch of irony. I think in some ways, the progress mindset is antithetical to the very practice of yin yoga, in the sense that the broader intention of a yin yoga practice might be to emphasize relaxed receptivity to what is, free of striving, without desire for constant attainment, etc. But for the type A, I need confirmation of progress folks out there, the ability to stay for longer periods of time in a pose before reaching the end point of one's tolerance threshold, this is one way of evaluating one's development. As your dense connective tissues become stronger, they become better able to tolerate stress. And this is a good thing. So as an example, after a few weeks of introducing your body to yin yoga, you might find that you can stay in poses for several minutes, perhaps five or six minutes, or even longer. And what's interesting about this is that your range of motion, how deeply you can go into the pose, your range of motion may not change all that significantly over this time. It could. Your range of motion could dramatically change, but it might not. It always depends. But the ability to remain still in a posture will likely increase. And this points to a pretty clear difference between yin yoga and yang yoga. Where in yang yoga, progress is tantamount to performing postures of greater, more significant ranges of motion. It can be a more is better mentality, where it's about more and more range of motion. Thankfully, however, this attitude is coming into question more and more, and intelligent yang yoga teachers seem to be backing off from this implicit assumption that advancement equals greater range of motion. But the point remains, for yin yoga, the ability to stay still for longer periods of time, simmering in a very mild level of sensation, this is a sign of progress. So please keep track of that in your own experience and see how it goes for yourself. I know personally that if I go more than a week or so without practicing the yin yoga backbends, such as sphinx or seal or saddle, my back tissue loses the capacity to tolerate a five-minute hold. But with regular near-daily practice, a five-minute hold stays within the appropriate levels of sensation and stress for me. And again, we are reminded of the use-it-or-lose-it principle, or basically the theory of exercise. Now here are a few points for teachers. If you're teaching yin yoga, some language for this is really helpful. In a public class, say of 90 minutes, you as the teacher might decide to arbitrarily hold postures for roughly four or five minutes. And this tends to be the normative amount of time people hold yin yoga postures for. But this amount of time won't be appropriate for everyone. Some students will need to exit postures long before that five minute mark. And some might be able to stay within the posture well past that five minute mark. So if this is not specifically addressed by you, i.e. the teacher, a student's naive assumption might be that it's better to stay for the full amount of time, even if uncomfortable, than to back out too early. So here's how I will cue this important piece. I will explicitly tell students in my class this. Here's the direct quote. If I see you back out of a pose or come out of a pose completely before the four or five minutes are up, I don't think to myself, Geez, what a pathetic, weak-minded, yoga lightweight. Instead, I think, 
oh, excellent. The student is listening to the feedback from their body and practicing wisely. In other words, do not hesitate to come out of a posture sooner than the called time if you deem it necessary. The authority is in the practitioner or the student's seat. Another common phrase that is designed to grab the student's attention is this, and take this with a grain of salt. But I often might joke, I say, if you injure yourself in my class, it's your fault. That gets their attention. And then I follow it up by saying, I'm trying to educate you on the sensations that are okay and not okay. Now you are free to disregard this education, but by doing so, you put yourself at peril. Practice conservatively, in other words, and please live to practice another day. The main reason we stay for longer periods of time in yin yoga practice is that the dense connective tissues don't change or adapt very much with short, brief stresses. As I'll explore much more in the lesson on viscoelasticity and on connective tissue in general, viscous materials resist flow. Things like honey is an example. Honey is considered a viscous material that doesn't flow so quickly. Connective tissue has viscous properties as well as elastic properties. And because of these properties, connective tissues require gentle prolonged stresses to influence their quality, both in terms of releasing any contracture or shortening of the tissue, and also in terms of strengthening and reinforcing the collagen that makes up that tissue. Again, I'll be looking at that much more in the lesson on connective tissue to come. Stay tuned. Okay, I'll stop there for now. And in the next episode of The Everyday Sublime, I'll discuss the fourth of the four main principles of how to practice yin yoga, namely, how to come out of a pose. And again, though this is a foundational concept, it's really worth reviewing the basics, even for seasoned practitioners. It's so important to understand these basics in order to practice yin yoga safely and intelligently. I look forward to sharing that with you with insights from my practice to yours. If you'd like to follow along with The Everyday Sublime, please subscribe in iTunes. I left a link in the show notes for you, or you can subscribe directly on my site at joshsummers.net slash subscribe. Thanks so much for listening today, and I'll see you in the next episode.